This afternoon, I'd like to continue our exploration of the quality of mudita, appreciative joy, joy or gladness. And as I, as we explored with Greg yesterday, the usual way this quality is taught is through reciting phrases for different categories of people. And the traditional sequence begins with a, a good friend, someone we feel close to who's experiencing some kind of success or happiness. And then we move from there to the benefactor, then the neutral person, the so-called difficult person, and then all beings. So you may have noticed that in that list, self is not included. And the traditional instructions are that you don't practice mudita for oneself. And after I'd been exploring this for a while, I started to feel like that seemed like an anomaly to me because everywhere else in the Buddha's teachings were instructed to make no distinction between self and other. And if the Brahma-viharas intended to become unconditional or boundless, it didn't make sense to me to exclude this being here. So a few years ago, I asked a Pali scholar, Andy Olensky, what the word mudita actually meant. And he said, it just means gladness. Uh, That's all. It doesn't, in the word itself, have any connotation of gladness for an other's practice. So I started to get curious about this. um, And at about the same time, I happened to come across the sutta that was given to a lay person by the name of Mahanama. And in the sutta, it said that Mahanama is a lay person, a householder, and he goes to the Buddha and asks him, could you please give some teachings that are suitable for householders like me rather than monastics? And the Buddha told him that he should contemplate six different things every day, and that if he did this, he would develop the kind of rapturous joy that leads to deep concentration which in turn leads to clear seeing and to insight. So a variation of that sequence I shared in the talk last night, one of those kind of thermal updrafts of effortless effort that leads to very skillful states and deep insight. So the six things that Mahanama was instructed to contemplate every day were the good qualities of the Buddha, the good qualities of the Dharma or the teachings, the good qualities of the Sangha, the community of people um, ordained or not, people who are following the Buddha's teachings. Then the the fourth and the fifth ones were the ones that really struck me. He said Mahanama should contemplate his own generosity and his own virtues or his own good qualities, his own ethical conduct. And lastly, the good qualities of the devas or um, heavenly beings could think of them as angels. So I'll read you the actual language because even though it's quite complex, I think it um, perhaps gives you some nuances that uh, don't come across in when I just explain it like that. So the Buddha is reported to have said, one thing, when developed and pursued, leads solely to disenchantment, to dispassion, to cessation, to stilling, to direct knowledge, 
to self-awakening, to unbinding. And unbinding is the word for nibbana or liberation. Which one thing? Recollection of virtue. You recollect your own virtues. At any time when a disciple of the Noble Ones is recollecting virtue, his or her mind is not overcome with passion, not overcome with aversion, not overcome with delusion. His or her mind heads straight, based on virtue. And when the mind is headed straight, the disciple of the Noble Ones gains a sense of the goal, gains a sense of the Dhamma, gains joy, connected with the Dhamma. In one who is joyful, rapture arises. In one who is rapturous, the body grows calm. One whose body is calmed experiences ease. In one at ease, the mind becomes concentrated. Mahanama, you should develop this recollection of virtue while you are walking, while you are standing, while you are sitting, while you are lying down while you are busy at work, while you are resting in your house, crowded with children. So this instruction I found quite fascinating to recollect. Uh, there's a similar passage for him instructing him to recollect his own generosity. But at the time, I found the idea of recollecting my own virtue, my own good qualities, pretty confronting and I think that ties into what we've been talking so much about, just that base sense that many of us have of inadequacy or unworthiness and being very hard on ourselves. And so I started to um, begin to explore this practice, and I discovered that it really can go against some strong cultural conditioning as well. So I grew up in England and New Zealand, and probably similar to here in those countries, there's a lot of social pressure not to blow your own trumpet. Or in the U.S. they say, toot your own horn. And in Australia and New Zealand, to some extent, we have the tall poppy syndrome, where anybody who stands out from the crowd gets cut down to size. And in Japan, apparently, they have a saying, the nail that sticks out gets hammered flat. So there's a lot of ways where we don't even want to go near this terrain of connecting with our own good qualities because of this fear, maybe unconscious fear of developing pride or conceit. And it's true in the Buddha's teachings, you know, we're not wanting to get an inflated sense of self. But if we're able to have a more sort of objective sense of ourselves, to know that all of us have a whole range of good qualities as well as um, not so skillful ones at times. We're opening more to the truth of who we are rather than seeing through a, a narrow or biased lens that only fixates on our supposed shortcomings. So I, because this seemed like such a foreign and unnatural practice, I decided to explore it and to combine it with the mudita practice in terms of having a sense of my own good qualities, my own good fortune, so bringing those two together. And before I did this for too long, I, I thought, well, I'd better be really careful that I don't fall into sort of conceit or inflated sense of self. But I actually found the opposite happened. 
that when I was able to just naturally feel a sense of connection to the whole of who I was, it was much more easy for me to meet other people with a sense of appreciation for who they were too, rather than falling into the um, habit of comparing better than, worse than, same as. There was a sense of ease and a natural feeling of appreciation. I also found that the more I um, considered my, my, in quotation marks, my good qualities, it became clear that they weren't really mine at all, that there was actually very little that I could take credit for because some of these values or virtues were instilled in me by my parents or my teachers or my Dharma teachers, perhaps my friends, the Buddha's teachings, my meditation practice. All of these are causes and conditions that have come together just like anything else. And I couldn't really think of them, yes, this is these are me and mine. So just as the Buddha described, I did feel more at ease, more happy and clearer when I was aware of my strengths as well as my weaknesses. So I'd like to offer us an opportunity just to touch into that. Um, at times we'll be using phrases and the phrases that I use are um, may I appreciate my own good qualities. May I take joy in my good fortune. May this joy continue. May it grow. May it lead to liberation. So I put that last sentence in there because this is not about, as I've been emphasizing, developing a sense of self, but really freeing the heart and mind. So using this celebration of our own good qualities as a skillful means to um, move towards greater ease and freedom. Okay, so I'd like to offer that as a, a guided meditation now. <laughs> 